You're listening to episode number 258. And today we're talking about feminine and masculine energy and how this relates to connections, your life, and your sexual wellness. This is the Made for Living Well podcast, hosted by Alexa Sherm, the place to create a life well lived. Welcome back to this podcast. As always, my name's Alexa, and this is the place where I believe you were made for living well. I think I'm going to tell you that every week for the rest of your life. But it is so true that health is inside of you and everything you need to live that out, you already have. However, that takes changing the narrative. And today we're going to really blow through the traditional narrative about sexual health, feminine and masculine energy, and so much more with leading author who has sold millions of books all over the world and who is a renowned leader in his field, John Gray. He is the author of one of the most well-known books in this field that USA Today actually called one of the top 10 most influential books of the last quarter century, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. He is a speaker, teacher, and coach all over the world for the last 40 years, And today he's on the show to share more about what he's learned and his passion inside of this field. Today, we're going to talk to John about the difference between masculine and feminine energy and why that is so valuable in our connections and our sexual wellness, and also some topics that we really get misconstructed in this space. I'm so excited to have John on the show. And in fact, this podcast went so long that we're going to split it into two different shows. Today, you're going to hear part one, and next week, you're going to hear part two. You're going to want to stick around for both episodes because they really are going to rock your world and blow your mind. And I don't even mean that in a sexual way, but it is so true. This information is really powerful, and it's so outside the norm of what you traditionally hear. Now, I'd also suggest you go out and pick up his books, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, or his latest book that's called Beyond Mars and Venus. You can check them out at your local library, get them on Amazon, or really anywhere books are sold. You can also visit John at his website at marsvenus.com. I'll make sure and link all of that up in the show notes, as well as some of my favorite books by John Gray. Now, I also want to remind you that there is lots of information happening over at The Living Well, where today's show notes and all the resources are housed. Make sure you head on over there at thelivingwell.com and also grab your free sexual wellness guide for men and for women. It's completely free and will give you a few more steps on boosting healthy sexual wellness and also boosting relationships and connections. Again, that's completely free to you and it's good for both men and women. So check that out at thelivingwell.com. And before we get to today's show, I do want to tell you that we have some amazing sponsors of the summer podcast series, The Sex Talk, including Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens has been my go-to morning nutritional source for the last six months. Now, I've already told you, but I'm going to tell you again, I did a little experiment at the start of this entire Athletic Greens journey because I thought there was a lot of hype behind it. Also pretty skeptical and leery of most supplements, so I wanted to take it for a little test spin before I really made the plunge and told you about it. Now, Much to my surprise, my 60-day experiment has turned into over six months of using Athletic Greens almost daily, plus a partnership with them. 
In fact, I reached out to them at the start of the summer because this product is one of those products that is more broad spectrum, meaning it's a simple product that most people can take and experience benefits from. Plus, a supplement like this helps to boost your sexual energy because without healthy nutritional function, really our sexual drive is going to decline. Today, John's gonna talk a little bit more about that, but Athletic Greens was on board with this podcast series and promoting this product to you because we both fully believe that having a foundational support like this is always going to help your body like it helped mine. So make sure you check out Athletic Greens. They are an amazing company and you can find all of the information that you need, including that free gift they're giving you of a one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs at athleticgreens.com backslash living well. There's just one more disclaimer I want to give you before we get started. This is for mature ears only. So if you're listening with little kids, you may want to pop in some earbuds or listen later. It does get into some more graphic detail, and I just want to forewarn you that part one and part two are rated for adult ears or mature ears only. But don't worry, it still is so fascinating and so good. And let's get right to today's show. Welcome to the show, Dr. Gray. I'm so excited to have you on and share more about the knowledge that you have being in this industry for so long. Well, happy to share. Uh, So it all started for me. I was a monk for nine years and very sexually active in the 60s. And then after Woodstock, we all got really high on mushrooms and psilocybin (laughs) and LSD and uh, crashed like crazy. You know, it was such high dopamine stimulation. Then there's the it desensitizes the dopamine receptor sites. So for every high, there's always a low. And right around that time, the Beatles had gone to India and they said, you can get high through meditation and you don't crash. So okay, yeah. that's for me. So I went off to become, uh, eventually became the personal assistant to Maharishi who started the transcendental meditation movement uh-huh. and was his personal assistant, lived with him for nine years and became a celibate monk during that time. And So I knew all about celibacy. I was sexually active, but then I learned how to transmute the energy through meditation. And then I started having sex again. After I left that, I realized I needed to do something in the world, but I was a really good meditator and and all that. And because my experience in life for me is that you use meditation and spiritual tools to sort of go up to find your higher self. And then the challenge is to bring it down. And uh, without going into all the details of bringing down, but bringing down the energy is getting downloads of what's wisdom. So now you're learning. You know, most people today, not everybody, but they wake up every day and they kind of, something happens and they learn something new or there was a problem that got solved or they look at things differently. These are called downloads. That's starting to bring the higher self uh, down into the sixth chakra. And then you, you bring it down into the Uh, throat chakra by expressing that new wisdom in some way or being a better person or personal growth, personal development. Personal growth and development means changing myself. And how do you change yourself? You change your programming. It's by connecting with your higher self. It can only, you can only change until you get a new idea about something. You see not working and you get an idea of what can work and you express it. And then that energy comes down as your personal growth and change and transformation, you want a better life. And then you intuitively feel, well, what's missing in the American life or the world's life these days is love. You know, we just don't have love. And 
That's bringing it into the heart, learning to have win-win situations, learning to be vulnerable, learning to open up, learning to share. Yeah. That's very important skills is share instead of being greedy and selfish or or getting so upset about things, but learning how to forgive. And then you bring that down to your uh, power center where your power comes from achieving your goals, but your goals are based upon what you truly need. Uh, so, you know, this is Maslow talked about this in the 100 years ago, he, psychologists still around the knowledge of as, as you become more enlightened or you become more civilized, uh, your needs change. They're always there, but then a new need shows up. So there was he talked about the need for survival. Uh, you know, you're not going to get in arguments with your wife if you need to find a, a hut to live in. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have a focal point. What is it you need? The most, I remember going to, we got a ranch at one point and that it was an old ranch and, and didn't have double pane windows. It was the win, winter. So we got there on the way up. We we're kind of like fussing with each other a bit. And then the place was really cold. And so we built a fire and all of our problems went away. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're cold and you can build a fire. There's nothing to complain about because you're feeling so good. That's called survival skills. So, you know, we, we live in a world where almost survival is almost almost, at least in the Western world, um, guaranteed and to various degrees. And then you have survival. Once you sort of have that foundation, then security is very important that you're safe because many, pe- many people will sacrifice security just to get food, right? So yeah, it's yeah. important when you're hungry, then comes ser- security, then comes uh, belonging. So this sort of the tribal consciousness, our identification is how we're belonging. And that's being everything's being confused today because it used to be that women belong to women and men belong to men. And then we come together. Uh, and, and, and so there's a lot of tribalness and confusion yeah. and hate and black and white and all that stuff. It's we're trying to find our group because we've lost our biological group. See yeah. biology in my later work now beyond Mars and Venus, this book here, I talk about the biology of a woman as opposed to uh-huh. the biology of a man. Cause Today, people are so confused. You have to have scientific evidence and have a right. And yeah, yeah. It turns out that the biology of a woman is primarily based on the hormones that will make a baby. And the biology of the man is based on the different hormones that will make a baby. Because the most important thing for evolution is make babies, mm-hmm. as well as to be hungry and eat food. So basically, belonging becomes a very important thing to then rise up to the next level, which is uh, self-knowledge. Well, who am I? You know, what am I good at? What can I do? And self-sufficiency, uh, where you're not whining and complaining about other people, but you feel responsible for your life. You know, I, the results I get are the result of my efforts and what I do, as opposed to the results I get it because nobody's doing this for me. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we see this huge victim mentality today and people get in relationships and then suddenly if a woman doesn't understand how she's contributing to the problems, she will always feel like a victim. And if a man doesn't understand how he contributes to the problems, he will feel victimized by her. Uh-huh. He'll tend to give up and she'll tend to tell everybody about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he'll go on to- I don't recognize that at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And whenever I talk about men and women, I'm talking about our male side and our female side. Yeah. But when a woman is too far on her male side, it shows up differently than a man who's on his male side. Uh, and goes to yeah. the female side. Like a man on his female side is angry. Most people don't know that. A woman on her female side is happy and feeling loving and appreciative. 
And, and a little bit, she could be angry, but she can move through the anger. She's coming back to her female side. So when a woman is too much on her male side, a very common trait is feeling overwhelmed, too much to do. You see, the male side is the doing side of us. The female is more the being side of us. And so it's just finding that balance. So this book, Beyond Mars and Venus, is, be, is way after men are from Mars because our challenge today, men and women are still the same. Okay, our yeah. biology, you know, this nose started about at least eight generations back. This is some great grandfather somewhere. <laughs> you know, our bodies are historic. You know, the history of humanity is in our bodies and our hormones and so forth. And you can't just suddenly decide that <laughs> that's not true. You know, this is how we survived to get here. But what we can do is evolve beyond just being masculine for men and just being feminine for women. We, we've sort of arrived at an amazing time in history where the freedom allows women to go to their male side. The freedom allows men to go to their female side. But if a man is too far on his female side for his body type, uh, he will be passive. He'll be grumpy, irritable. He'll be selfish. He'll be um, angry. Uh, he can't commit. Uh, he's, he's, you know, he's like a playboy. Uh, yeah. do what you like, do what you like. Yeah. And that all sat handed in the sixties. I remember, uh, one of the songs, trance songs back then was do what you like, do what yeah. you like, and boom, boom, do what you like. I mean, yeah. was, that was a time where men were moving to their female side. I didn't want to join the army. I demonstrated for peace. I put on hippie clothes, like fashionate, fashionable mm-hmm. hippie clothes. Got so it's really a lifestyle that's moving men in that direction. Our whole culture is social engineering mm-hmm. to make men women and women men. Neutralize sexual differences and the out. See, then that that eliminates the attraction between men and women. If you're a woman and you're on your male side, you're not going to be attracted to men. If you're yeah. a man and you're on your female side, you're not going to be attracted to women. So this is a gradual uh, psyop to neutralize the. A male and female, our male female differences. And so we need to be aware of what they are more so now because see the, the, so it wasn't so much conscious social engineering. You see the universities have this idea that if we're all the same, we'll all be happy and harmonious and have. Yeah. Right, right, right. Uh We're not the same. So you can't just make up the emperor has no clothes. It's just not true. So it's what creates peace is respecting our differences, honoring Mm -hmm. our differences, understanding our differences, having compassion for our different challenges we face and helping each other. What, what really works is you take it from that to what I do in my books is say, how, what are, how are women's needs different from men? And men, stop doing what you think she wants and I'll tell you what she really wants. Yeah, and yeah. vice versa. So women usually have no idea how they contribute to the relationship because they usually, on general, they will try harder. Uh, but they don't know that all their attempts to do it actually make it worse. And everything a man does to make a woman feel good usually tends to make it worse. An example of that, if she's talking, he's, will you get to the point, you know, or what's the reason you're saying that? And you know, I think you're overreacting or can't you just forget it? Let's just have sex. You know, <laughs> all these stupid things men say, but they, they're just speaking like if, you know, if I have several men's groups and if I get a little upset about something, occasionally I'll get mad about, what what politics is doing and my yeah. friends will all start laughing at me the men and they'll say i think you're overreacting john yeah <laughs> and i go you're right you're right i'm overreacting but see they can say that yeah. to me i would never say that to my wife even though as freud points out pretty much any time that we're unhappy we're overreacting yeah sometimes you know big 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 things we 
have legitimate strong reactions of not being able to understand what happened. That's a shock. And, and But pretty much we overreact all the time because when you go to the, particularly a woman, when a woman goes into the workplace, there's a ton of stressful things, but you can't change it. You know, well, I can't change that. And that's how you do it. And you can't change that. It's not what I want. You So you sacrifice. Sacrifice produces testosterone. Ah. Uh, getting getting what you need and asking for it and feeling supported produces estrogen. Whenever, whenever you're thinking, oh, I have to do this and I have to do this and I, it's not what I like to do, but I have to do it for money. Your testosterone goes up, but women need 10 times more estrogen. And estrogen goes up when you're doing what you like. Do what you like, do what you like, increases your estrogen levels. It also increases your do what you want, do what you want, increases your progesterone levels. And these are like major... Uh, hormones for a woman's well-being, not so for a man. Uh, it, it's secondary for a man. If a man is stressed, a man is angry, a man is depressed, a man is irritable, a man is grumpy, a man is procrastinating, all the worst qualities that a man can have, he will always have low testosterone and high estrogen at that moment. This is like for women, it's just the opposite. When she's in her negative space of feeling resentful or her brain is looping on what he did wrong yeah. or I can't have it or I'm not beautiful enough, no self-love or no love for your partner. Uh-huh. All those things, uh-huh. feeling hopeless, feeling victimized, feeling injustice and being stuck in that pain. Her 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 estrogen levels are low at that time. And if she's hard on herself, her progesterone levels are low. And this is all documented. It's all basic stuff. You can go online, just say, you know, what's average estrogen for a woman, a happy woman? Look at what it is for a depressed woman. <laughs> Look at what happy man is. 10 times more testosterone than a woman. And for a man to be turned on to a woman to feel romantic, it doubles. That's the erection. The erection just produces a lot more testosterone. So if a guy gets an erection to pornography, his testosterone goes up, becomes very addictive because it makes him feel really good. But then it goes right back down and it continues to go down over the years, which we now see as a reality. Men's testosterone levels are going down 1% every year. And they're saying that's natural and normal. It wasn't that way 20 right. years ago. Mm-hmm. It's startling. It's alarming. Yeah. It's very alarming. And women having so many emotional problems with estrogen, taking sleeping pills, taking antidepressants, double the amount of women doing all that. And and a hundred times more people. We didn't used to be all this stuff. You know, there were problems, but the real answer was get a job or get, have a relationship. You know, you go to the blue zones, people would go to people's houses and these are people that don't get sick so much and they live long lives and they're very happy. They eat at other people's houses. They take turns, they eat, they share, they sing, uh, they climb hills to get to each other. You know, natural life is gone. And so what we have to do is compensate for that. And when women are in a workforce all day long, the workplace is designed to produce testosterone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was designed by men for men. And that's, that is just the reality. There's two parts of life. There's called work where you're serving other people. You're sacrificing what you would like to do today and doing something for others to be rewarded. So sacrifice, action, solving problems, and getting reward produces testosterone. Do women need as much testosterone as men? But women need as more estrogen. And by being in relationships where you feel supportive, friendships, relationship with God, relationship with your children, relationship with your husband, relationship with the community, where you're constantly either nurturing or the the environment is nurturing you, supporting. So this is amazing. And we don't have that anymore. When I was in Bali, I was staying at a a country place and I watched, there's a river down this hill and 
you just watched all the women walking down, making a lot of noise, talking, and the children helping each other, then cleaning the clothes while they're talking and helping each other. That community feeling, that, that is a huge estrogen stimulator because women, if they don't make enough estrogen, they're unhappy. And so they're making testosterone, making a lot of money on antidepressants or divorcing your husband if he makes all the money. It's, it's just a crazy world. Now, ultimately, I know you want to talk about sex, Alexa, but I just want to do the foreplay to it. Well, yeah, no, I think it's, I, I think so many people miss this aspect and this is exactly why I wanted to do the sex talk because it's not just about right. sex and changing your hormones is not just a biological thing. It's our interaction with people and life. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's all these different interactions, which we call relationships, not the relationship. But that is the foundation for women of raising their estrogen to what we'll call a healthy baseline. That means she's happy and fulfilled. She's not feeling needy. And a man is feeling happy and fulfilled. This is he gets up to like 10 to 20 times higher testosterone than a woman. She gets up to like 10 times more estrogen. Then she's not producing stress hormones. When she's not producing stress hormones, now she's capable of beginning to get the stimulation to produce an orgasm. Anything before that. Yeah. Before we get into the sex part of this, I do want to come back and say, okay, we've talked about women in the workforce, but I feel like we're going to get a lot of feedback that says like, I don't have an option. I have to work. Like how do women who are working increase their estrogen levels? Is that possible? I wanted to take a moment to talk about Athletic Greens, who I'm so honored was willing to sponsor this summer podcast series. Honestly, over six months ago, I took on a little adventure or a quiet experiment of trying Athletic Greens for myself. I'll be honest, I was a little leery of the hype behind it, thinking it was just a really well-branded product that a lot of people had picked up, but was it actually going to do anything for my body? Now, previously, about three or four years ago, I had been highly invested in another greens formula that had gotten bought out by another company, changed the formula and the quality, but after it was over, I really did miss the greens, but I hadn't found anything that I liked up until Athletic Greens. It caught my eye, so I took it on a little experiment, and honestly, I was kind of shocked by the results. I found through a micronutrient test that it increased my total micronutrient level inside my body, as well as boosted my energy and decreased my hunger and cravings. I mean, it really was truly astonishing. And it's something now I'm six months later, my experiment was only supposed to last 60 days, but six months later, I haven't stopped because I really do find so many benefits and love the way it makes me feel. Now, you should try it out for yourself. Do the little experiment. I'm not saying it's for everyone, but how do we know unless we try it? It's one of those broad spectrum foundational supplements that's easily digested and absorbed inside this powdery drink that you can take at any point throughout your day. Of course, it's ideal in the morning, but one scoop a day can really change your overall health. I love it. I think you're going to love it. And that's why I reached out to Athletic Greens to be a sponsor on the summer series because I want you to try it out. And knowing it's not just for your energy or your immune support, but this is what's going to help your sexual health as well. So make sure you check that out at athleticgreens.com backslash living well. And if you try it out, they're going to give you a free year supply of vitamin D as well as five free travel packs. So make sure you check them out after today's show. 
we've talked about women in the workforce, but I feel like we're going to get a lot of feedback that says like, I don't have an option. I have to work. Like how do women who are working increase their estrogen levels? Is that possible? Like, yes, yes. That's the great news that nobody teaches this. So just don't feel foolish. If you don't know how this is all new knowledge to this book are the, are the solution to that dilemma right there. Cause I'm not saying stop working. Okay, I think the world's a better place if men and women make decisions together to solve the problems in the world. Uh, we see the effect of just men solving problems, primarily male dominance, is we destroy the planet uh, and we destroy people and we destroy relationships. And a lot of women are part of that problem. I'm not going to blame it on the men because they're out there running those companies too, but they're on their male side. It's the male side that doesn't have the awareness of the outcome of what we're doing to therefore say, let's try to figure out a solution, a more creative solution. Uh, the where, the male side of us, uh, basically, it is, uh, well, when you go to your male side, one, one aspect, there's a lot of different symptoms of a woman being primarily on her male side, but the most common is she's sacrificing what she'd like to do in order to earn money so that then she can do what she'd like to do. All right, so there. That's actually what a man's physiology is designed to do. My Every man, his biology, what I sacrifice to achieve a goal, a noble goal, which means I'm going to help somebody with it, whatever I'm sacri- that's called mission and purpose. And that's the male side of us. And when a man does that, it produces testosterone. Uh, and, there, and when his testosterone goes up to 10 to 20 times more than a woman, then his cortisol levels go down and he experiences heart being open and now he can love. So men are not even ready for relationships till they can at least uh, take care of themselves and feel good. Women are not relation are not ready for an intimate relationship unless they have an abundance of non-sexual relationships that make them feel good. If you don't have that, then you have neediness or you have, I don't need it at all. So many women today is like, why do I need a man? Uh, it's because you're on your male side. If you're on your male side, you don't need a man. You can do it all. But you don't know why am I not so happy? Okay. Why am I not sleeping well? Why am I having these health problems? Why am I, there's no zest to my life anymore. What's missing? Because when you go from being feminine over to your male side, there's a midpoint there, which is ecstatic. See, it's when you can have both your female and male coming from your female to your male is feels good. It feels alive. That's your balanced place. And then when you can go from your female to your male and then come back to your female, you're training yourself to be on both sides. And when you can be on both sides at the same time, uh, you experience more of an ecstasy, a rising ecstasy. Uh, for example, as I'm talking now, I, I just, you know, people say I work so hard. I'm so generous. Are you kidding? I just love doing this and I love doing this. And I just finished a two day workshop here in Northern California and standing ovation. People say, how do you give so much? I stay an extra couple of hours, whatever. Are you kidding? I'm, I love this and I'm so good at this. See, competence is your male side. So my testosterone's off the chart. People, I'm loving people. I'm nurturing people and they're loving me. Uh, my estrogen's so high. Uh, that's like sex. See, what sex is, if you just look at straight orgasmic sex, what a woman experiences to have an orgasm, if she has an orgasm, a foreplay has to start already at a normal level. Then what happens is uh, by his attention, his affection, his interest, his sacrifice for her, 
the expressions of love for her, that starts raising her estrogen levels higher and higher. So when a woman orgasms, she doubles her normal healthy uh, estrogen level. It's a doubling. At that time, and this is also measurable, uh, a woman's without sex, the woman's highest estrogen level is when she's ovulating. And that's usually when she's more in the mood for sex if she's not stressed. And so many women aren't able to make babies today because uh, they can't get their estrogen up high enough. Very important for making babies and getting pregnant. So when 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 they measure the way you know she's ovulating, her estrogen levels are going so high, but her testosterone levels are also beginning to rise. So there's two ways for women to experience testosterone. One is I can't get what I need in my life. I can't trust anybody, so I'll just do it myself. Whenever you do it yourself, you're making testosterone. And there's another one, which is I have so much support, I'm giving it back. So giving is our male side. That's why I'm selflessness, soldier going into battle. Men typically for a million years have done the dirty jobs for the women, dangerous jobs. So the women would be first. We always have been there for women. The problem is as soon as women started to become men, there wasn't a job for men. See, when you're on your male side, you what, what makes a man rise up is a naked woman, <laughs> basically. And she only gets naked if he does things to provide for her safety and her security and the family. That's the belonging that we belong together. You know, one of the beautiful love talks when I'm orgasmic with my partner and with my wife of 40 years, 34 years, uh, it was, you know, being these altered going on for like an hour and just all I'm feeling is you're mine. I'm yours. We're one, you know, and. and a total attachment, total attachment. You're mine. But what it means is you're my wife and, and I'm your husband. We're one. We belong to each other. And now we're one. Uh, it's such a sweet, powerful phrase. And that's what marriage is really saying. It's like we are a couple. We're now together. Very hard for people to maintain marriage because they don't know how to maintain making love. They start just having sex. Yeah. And, and there's a big difference between just sex and sex and making love. And, and you're even saying there's a hormonal difference. There, oh, I, I, there's more of a hormonal difference. Okay, so here's the, the Italians did a study and they measured that when a man has sex who's married in love with his partner, so they're happily married couples and they measured what hormones get produced when they have sex, is uh, a man after that, after he ejaculates or releases, we'll call it a release, uh, when he releases the hormone that his body experiences is a release of prolactin. Prolactin is what allows women to breastfeed a baby. But in men, they don't produce prolactin unless they they release with a woman that they're committed to in a monogamous relationship. And the more years that pass in monogamy, if he's able to still get it up and feel passion, and I'll teach how to do that in a minute, but his body will produce more and more prolactin. So I'm an extreme monogamist. Mm-hmm. Okay. So for me, I couldn't even get an erection if some woman tried to have sex with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm a teenager, any woman could get me to have an erection. Yeah. <laughs> Just have sex with you. All right. But it takes, it takes years of, of commitment. Uh, see, commitment is pure masculinity. Uh-huh. And, and instant erection, whenever she's in the mood, it happens. And, and no erection if she's not in the mood. It's amazing phenomenon when a man has prolactin. It's an evolutionary hormone that 
keeps men. If a man finds a woman that he wants to create a family with, she loves him and he loves her. You need both those factors. And then you make prolactin. What prolactin does is causes disinterest in having sex with other women. Mm. You see how evolutionary that is? Yeah. Nature has made it so that if you're going to have a baby, you're not interested in somebody else. You're just interested in your partner. The man stays with the woman. She stays with her and you have a family. But what happens if you have sex or masturbation is a form of sex or pornography or vibrators, any of this stuff. Okay. This, uh, well, I'll get to vibrators in a minute, but the, this is the male side of it. When you, when a man has sex with a stranger, a one night stand, um, pornography or masturbation, he experiences the, uh, his estrogen has to peak for him. And then, then his testosterone goes down. That's why men will tend to become disinterested in the female after ejaculating, after the release. So we tend to pull away. And if you do a lot of it, then you pull away even more. And so there's this, he has to go from personal connection to dis, to impersonal, impersonal, any activity, which is impersonal is a major testosterone producer. Like I'm competing Mm -hmm. in a tennis match. That's big testosterone producer. If I practice meditation is forget my problems. Don't do anything for anybody. Just myself. I'm going to meditate. Uh, that's a big testosterone producer. And I'm a big meditator. I've been speaking at 50 years, a big part of my life. Cause I was this celibate monk and, and ironically, I'm still celibate, except I have sex almost every day. As much time as available to do. Cause I've learned how to be multi-orgasmic without ejaculating, which that makes the relationship so much easier for a woman because you never pull away from her. Your, ener- your energy is always connected to her. Uh, his energy is connected to her. Then she's easy. She has a desire for sex more often. Yeah. So there's a, that's a healthy way uh, of having stability, more emotional stability in a woman, more attraction to the man if his testosterone stays up. And over time, if they, if they have too much sex, too much ejaculation sex, what will happen is she will eventually lose interest in sex. So many women, uh, 35, after 35 to 42 is kind of like a sexual prime for women. And if they don't get it right at that time, then they lose interest in sex when they're in a marriage. Uh, if they're single, they can pick it up. But uh, if they're in marriage, it's too familiar. It's too comfortable. Too easy. There's no dopamine. Because see, dopamine is why sex is so great in the beginning. Because it's newness and the challenge and all that. When, when a man experiences high dopamine, his testosterone goes higher. Uh, another thing that causes testosterone to go up is danger. You see, that's what, that's also dopamine, danger. So, you know, I got to react fast. There's a, there's a, there's a fire, dopamine goes up and I got to, it gives me a lot of testosterone. Well, when dopamine levels surge in a woman, her estrogen levels go up. And if they go up high enough, she gets turned on. That's why you see these movies, the hero they go through a lot of danger, then it's great sex afterwards, but doesn't always last. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. there's no relationship to build upon. But but you do get that exciting danger. And I heard a joke, I just have to say it for fun. If somebody was saying, you know, people say men and women aren't aren't different. Well, let's say you have you ever seen a woman driving a motorcycle with a man on back? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, I, it's very relevant to me because, you know, I spent 50 years studying all these things uh-huh. and the, and I do workshops in the early stages, just 
asking questions to learn about the differences between men and women and, and workshop for, I would sort of lead the way and then ask questions. And I, and I was doing one, which is what do couples that are happy, what do they do to de-stress when they come home? And, and, and one, one couple said, uh, we go for a ride on the Harley. Uh, or we, we, we ride motors, we ride the motorcycle. That's what they said. And I said, you mean to the woman, you mean you ride a motorcycle? And she said, Oh no, my husband rides the motorcycle and I'm on the back. Right, right, right. Yeah. And they say they're high stress surgeons. And so they go for a drive on the motorcycle. Now what's interesting, motorcycles are dangerous, right? I mean, totally. We think it's safer, but it's not as safe as we think. So the, there's a controlled danger there. So that the, for a man, his testosterone levels go up. And because she is depending on him, see, estrogen goes up when you can depend on someone for something meaningful. But the truth is your life is in danger when you're a motorcycle, but she thinks her husband is a great driver. So she feels he's providing the safety. She mm, yeah, yeah. So it's a great connector. It's a great connector as long as long as she can feel safe depending on him, the way he drives. So I tell men, one of the best foreplays is for you to drive in a way that your wife enjoys, feels safe. See, men always drive in ways and they have arguments in the car yeah. and she's telling him to drive. And eventually you'll see all the women probably in their 40s where they're driving their husbands. Yeah. <laughs> and why? Because she's giving him so much backseat advice. He says, yeah. you, you know how to drive better than you drive. So yeah. now he's sitting over there in the estrogen spot and she's in the testosterone spot, taking control, taking on everything, not trusting. All of that stuff is testosterone producing. Maybe you need that for survival, but it's not going to make you happy. Mm-hmm. And if you're not happy, you're not going to orgasm. Yeah, orgasm is the maximum happiness. That's mm-hmm. What, mm-hmm. Uh, not that other things can't make you happy, but when you're having regular orgasms, then your estrogen levels stay at a much higher level. And for a man, if he learns to have orgasms while ejaculating, his testosterone is 50% higher all the time. Uh, that's fine. I, I measure it. I'm 50% higher than I was a young man at 70 years old. Uh, my, my joke is, I was, I like to say jokes. Okay, so here's a joke. I was just doing human optimization uh, conference in London. All these personal growth and biohackers are there. And because I think I'm a real biohacker from the last 30 years, but I think multi-orgasmic man and woman is the most important biohack there is. So that was my talk. But before I gave the talk at my hotel, I was uh, having breakfast and it turned out three really famous uh, Ironmen were there. You know, this is the really guys who endurance things and whatever. And they're talking about their glory and everything, how good they are. And, and, and then I said, well, what do you do, John? I said, I'm the iron penis. <laughs> they got quiet very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> usually the guys with the big muscles, they can't get erections. They're taking steroids and that's taking, see, taking hormones is not the same at all of having a mindset and, and, and quality relationships that allow you to make testosterone if you're a man and to make estrogen if you're a woman, to make progesterone through your friendships. So this is, we have to learn the awareness of what produces one hormone versus the other to keep it simple and what behaviors, you know, like when you go shopping, what are you doing when you're looking at shop? Do I need this or do I not need this? Do I need this? Or I could have that. Well, I don't really need that. Or that's not important, but I can have this, that awareness, just that is estrogen producing, but eating food. Uh, some women shop too much. 
and, and but it's addictive. See, estrogen is higher estrogen levels are to are always addictive if you're ignoring other estrogen stimulation that's important to you. So if you're alone and you're a woman to compensate for not being with a man and having a relationship, you'll shop a lot or, or you'll eat a lot. Eating is a big estrogen producer. Oh, look, I can eat this. Built, oh, storing fat on your body for a couple, for some body types is an estrogen producer. Uh, so if you're not making estrogen through your relationships, and what I see is it's sex and it's communication and the quality of a variety of kinds of relationships that are big estrogen stimulators. Like you have relationship with God, higher power, you have relationship with a mentor, a therapist, a coach, you have relationship with your friends, you have relationship with, if you're a woman with women, uh, relationships with men is not a big estrogen producer as much as just being with women. If you're going to be with men, the major estrogen stimulation there is they're taking care of you. You're a priority. See, this is the whole idea of monogamy. Uh, monogamy makes a woman feel special. Uh, nobody else gets what she gets. And that raises estrogen more than if she was having sex with two guys. Okay. It's just was that, you know, if you were walking around naked, all the time, uh, then taking off your clothes in front of your partner or having him take off your clothes would not be so exciting. I mean, it's very exciting to put on some sexy lingerie, you know, what is it? Um, one woman told me, she says, I always wear sexy lingerie under my clothes, just thinking somebody's going to find that and be really turned, you know, just that it's, it's not just sharing with everything. And right now we're, you know, the, the way women are being motivated to dress is desensitizing men's interest in the message that women give when they show a little more skin. It's Yeah, it's so fascinating how all these little things we don't even think about, like who's driving the car, what we're wearing is really having this large impact on how we're connecting or the lack of connection that we're creating. That's huge. And one of the biggest ones uh-huh. is how we communicate. Because simply because there's massive peer pressure. It's, a, it's social engineering right now in the world is to neutralize the differences between men and women. That's what's going on. Uh, this is in the universities. I used to teach at Harvard and Stanford and was kicked out because I'm a sexist. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and it wasn't that way before, but this is growing awareness that anybody that talks about differences between men and women was well, the president of Harvard was kicked out just because uh, he mentioned that maybe there's a brain difference is why more men uh, are get are in the engineering departments. Well, of course, there's a brain differences. There's a part of the brain called the anterior parietal lobe, and and every woman, it's bigger on the right side of her brain and smaller on the left. It's not that she can't go over to the left; she could be conditioned, engineered to go to the left. But she's born with a bigger one on the right. That's kind of a message. Like, why is that bigger? Well, when you use that part of your brain, which is everything to do with intuition, feelings personal reality, a clothing, food, nurturing, love, orgasm, all that stuff is the right part of the brain, right parietal lobe. And when you do the things, basically, whenever you do the things that I'm teaching produce estrogen, you're using the right parietal lobe. Whenever you're doing the things that make testosterone, you're using your left parietal lobe. And in every man born, this is regardless whether you're gay, straight, trans, anything, you're still, this is your left parietal, your left parietal lobe is bigger than your right, is bigger than your right. The only exception to that is schizophrenics, schizophrenics males, uh, which typically have the same brain as geniuses. 
Uh, and that's that you have equal size on both sides. And typically, if you had that kind of brain in the past, you'd be a creative genius, you'd be an artist, or you'd be a, a, a monk. Uh, you would be, um, you know, when males came out with more female qualities, you know, one out of 10,000 males does have a vagina and a penis. This is very common, not spoken about. But one out of 10,000, that's going to be the case. And in the ancient days, when that would happen, those people would become monks, celibates. Because, you know, when, when a man has sex on with a man, it's massively addictive. Okay. This thing with a woman I don't know is very addictive. But when a man does man on sex, uh, guys, gay men can go have eight to 20 guys have sex with them. It's like, hey, I, I'm turned on by you. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. They're done. Next one. That's a bathhouse. They just go one after another after another. Massive addiction to sex. And because of women, basic, because man on man is massively addicted. Oh. It's more intense. Okay. Taking uh-huh. two, do the same. And it's intensification. Kind of like when you know, a more healthy version of that from my perspective. I don't, it's not hate speech. I'm just saying what's healthy. You know, gay men live shorter lives than anybody on the planet. You know, they have the more sicknesses and so forth. Uh, it's, it's, they're, they're not on their, finding that balance of their male, female side, they seek to balance. But just as a straight man, if I'm doing porn yeah. with a stranger, right. I get addicted to porn. Mm-hmm. And bottom line is men have a proclivity to become addicted to uh, sex. Okay, we're massively addicted to sex. And what frees us from that addiction is, is the prolactin that gets produced when we have a, a society that says, don't have sex until you're married. Mm-hmm. That used to be it. Yeah. You don't have sex until you're married and you don't masturbate. There were reasons for these yeah. things. You feel awful afterwards. Your energy's drained. You feel bad. What people did is they said, oh, I feel bad because my parents judge me for it. So I have to hide about this. I can't be seen doing it. I feel ashamed of myself. And then they, what people do is then they say, well, I only feel ashamed because other people are shaming me. No, you feel ashamed because you just wasted yeah. your life force energy. Yeah. So we want it's this whole blaming culture. But it took, you know, people want to say the past was awful. Why do we have the civilization we have now? It's an amazing world because of everything we did in the past. And to throw the baby out with the bathwater is insanity. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just like cutting off your nose and your ears and think that you can replace yourself. This is nonsense. This is stupidity. And now we're in a place where in the history of India and China, they have these long 5,000 year histories, at least, and they really go back further, but we, we now think it's just 5,000. And the high level adepts, okay, these are people who did spiritual meditation. They were the leaders. They're like the prophets and whatever. You know, the prophets in the Bible lived hundreds of years, yeah. okay, is that they had sex in a way that causes long life. Mm-hmm. In, Ch- in China, they have all these dynasties, which were mainly that person's baby that you have. You'd live a few hundred years if you were a man and you'd have lots of babies, but you would only use your semen if you were going to make a baby. Uh, their belief in those things, every time you every time you release your semen, it shortens your life a, a, a little bit. It shortens yeah. your life a little bit. I feel like right. that when you get into yeah. that, like semen retention stuff, and I'm a big believer in it as well. Of course, it's different coming from a female, right? So it's harder for me to say that. But as a man, when you talk about being orgasmic without ejaculating, I think sometimes it, it feels unbelievable to a man that that's possible. Can you explain that yeah, yeah, a little bit more? Yeah, yeah, I'll explain it. Okay, but also when I'm teaching this, uh-huh. mostly the women, married women, uh-huh. will resist. They'll resist it. They don't want to have sex for an hour because they've already dried up. That's one reason. Another one is 
they have a male side and the male side said, if he doesn't ejaculate, then he doesn't love me. Uh, yeah. But if he, if he doesn't ejaculate, it just goes on and on and mm-hmm. on. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so if you're not, see, when you look at, I keep talking about the modern woman is low in estrogen, stress, yeah. taking sleeping pills, antidepressants, overworking. These are the qualities of her not having hormonal balance. And this is measurable. Okay. Whenever she's having any of those qualities, I just said, her estrogen levels are low. And for a man, whenever he's angry, irritable, passive, procrastinating, not mission oriented, not positive, not able to commit, and then also losing his erection with his partner, most men will never lose erections with pornography because, because there's no estrogen being produced when you do pornography or very little. So estrogen pushes testosterone down unless you can be very strong in your testosterone and estrogens rising up and testosterone's always rise. That's having a hard penis for a long time. So many of these young guys are premature ejaculating. You know, it doesn't give a woman chance to have the four or five basic orgasms in her vagina that these other cultures talk about. I personally experience it. But so that's all I can do is say what I've seen in my own practice and in my own experience, what's true about these other things. And they use different techniques. Uh, Montak Chia writes about this. And what I like about Montak Chia's books is he spends like 80 or 90 pages talking about the history of having sex without ejaculating for men. But what people don't really talk a lot about is for women, you know, we'll talk about men and orgasm, but there's for women, there's something called climax and then there's orgasm. And we sort of think that the same thing. Climax is primarily uh, clitoral stimulation. Now, Freud caught on to it and then was completely... Everybody said he's wrong, but he's right. He said that a clitoral orgasm is an immature orgasm. And what the Taoists say, if you only have clitoral orgasms, uh, you'll get fat. Okay, I have to stop the podcast there. I know you want to keep going and you want to keep learning more, but there is over 45 minutes left in this podcast interview. And I don't want you to get so bogged down by the information that you miss something. So we're going to break it up We're going to let that time to soak in for you to think about it and then come back next week as we finish this podcast episode with John Gray. You're not going to want to miss part two because if you like part one, you are going to be blown away by part two. In the meantime, don't forget to check out John Gray and all of his work that I have linked up at thelivingwell.com as well as the show notes for today's show and a few more resources you might like. Now, I do want to add that John mentions healthifying your hormones and shifting your hormones using lifestyle practices. That is exactly what I've done inside my five-day hormone reset, which you can find at thelivingwell.com. It is truly a transformative way to view your hormones that really make your hormones not the problem, but we dive into the root cause inside that class. If you haven't checked it out, make sure you go to thelivingwell.com backslash hormone-reset or just find it at thelivingwell.com and check out the hormone reset. It truly can change the way your hormones function and the way you feel in just five days. It's a practice I try to incorporate once a quarter in my everyday life and sometimes I start out the first week of the month with a quick five-day hormone reset. It's all real food, no extra supplements, of course, unless you want to add athletic greens to that like I do now. But it's all real foods. Your family can join in and it works no matter what gender you are, no matter whether you're a male or a female. So check that out over at thelivingwell.com and don't forget to come back next week for part two with John Gray.